0: And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox.
1: Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every week we bring you the information and
0: inspiration
1: you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today is the historic day of our best show of the year, as far as I'm concerned, because... Today is the day that we get to talk to winners of the best and worst deals of the year contest that is held by Rhea of Greater Cincinnati every December and by Central Ohio Real Estate Investors every December and a lot of other groups all over the country. It's a, it's a fun thing to do at a holiday party. You have everybody stand up and talk about their triumphs and tragedies. And unfortunately, There were eight winners between those two groups and we just, we just don't have time for eight winners to tell their stories. So I picked out the four that I thought had sort of the most interesting, um, doable, inspiring deals for you listeners. And they are going to be joining me today by phone to talk about what they did in this very challenging year that made them money and taught them lessons and made them better investors. And we're starting with the winner of the best deal by a new investor in Cincinnati. Now, in order to compete in best deal by a new investor, you have to have done your very first deal in the last 12 months. And uh, this was actually Bryson's very first deal ever. It wasn't just that he did <laughs> His first deal in the last 12 months, it was like, this was the first deal and he's joining us by phone today. Welcome Bryson.
2: Hello, Vina. Can you hear me?
1: Yes. Can hear you well. Thank you. Uh, so Bryson, let's, let's, let's get into it. Start with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what do you do in real life? (laughs) (laughs) Okay
2: yeah so uh, my name is bryson um, and i work for a manufacturing plant in continuous improvement Um, and i've always wanted to get into real estate and i joined ria which is the real estate investing group in cincinnati in october of 2019 um so that's kind of about me and it took me a whole year to even let's say even get started on my first deal so that was a little bit frustrating to be honest but I'm excited to say I, I finally got there.
1: Well, 2020 did interfere with a lot of people's real estate personal business travel health plans. So if I want to cut yourself a little break about about the time in between you first joining and the time that you did this deal and you know also a lot of people they they do spend the first year getting educated, getting connected, building relationships, building a team. Uh, all that sort of thing. And sometimes that can be good because then you're ready when that first deal happens. So yep. your very first uh, deal was a very big rehab in yes. a place called Newport, Kentucky, which for listeners who are not from this area, uh it is a city just south of Cincinnati. Like you cross a river and you're in Newport and it's, it's kind of a historically, it's historically kind of been a depressed area. But in the last 10 or 15 years, people started discovering that there was a cool river right there. And you could see it sometimes, depending on how high up on the hill you were. And, you know, prices over here got kind of expensive. So people started looking to Newport and saying, well, there's some cool houses down here. Maybe we should rehab them and live in them. And so fast forward 15 years, in come you. Tell us about the house you bought.
2: Yeah, so this one was actually kind of a news blast that the Cincinnati reorganization sends out and they usually have wholesalers or people just saying, here's a deal, like contact me if you're interested. Mm -hmm. And so I saw one that looked interesting. I went out and, um, met this wholesaler who was selling the property. I looked at it, kind of got cold feet, um, about at least making the offer right on the spot and then i actually had one of the more senior investors his name is jimmy come out there and inspect the property with me and he said yep this is a good deal bryson (laughs) and then from there i got under contract and you know thankfully i had my dad to help me kind of supervise contractors because i've got a normal w-2 job where i can't work from home Um, but that's pretty much how it got started just People jump at, people helping me to say this is a good deal because I will tell you that I got under contract for houses that were not a good deal before this. So
1: mm-hmm, it's definitely mm-hmm.
2: good to have people you can lean on and ask for advice.
1: Yeah, and a lot of a lot of investors, particularly newer ones, are, are hesitant to do that. They they think they have to know everything so that they have all the confidence to go do deals. And in reality you don't need your confidence necessarily. You need the confidence of somebody that you have confidence in.
2: Yes, agreed.
1: So let let's let's put some numbers on the table. What did you figure the after repaired value was?
2: Uh when I actually bought the house or what it actually when, when was? you
1: when you bought it. We're we're starting at the <laughs> <Okay>. beginning here.
2: <laughs> okay, so when I bought it, this is February of twenty twenty one. Um I thought it was going to be I thought it would sell for two hundred and five thousand dollars and I thought it would take me about sixty thousand dollars to rehab it.
1: Mm-hmm. So 60, 60 and, and to four fix months it. To do it. <laughs> 60 60 to fix it, 205 fixed up 4 months of work. And yes. what did what did you pay?
2: I paid 80,000 for it.
1: Okay. Well, that all looks good on the surface.
2: Yeah. It did.
1: <laughs> and then what happened?
2: And then I went 64% over budget and spent $98,000 in the house on the <laughs> rehab um but thankfully as you guys know 2021's been a year of just skyrocketing prices so the after repair value also went up to 274 um so i, I guess uh, fortunate for that for sure um, so
3: i'm not sure it would be a best deal of the year <laughs> tell us
1: tell us tell us what went wrong like cuz that is a lot over budget that's not just like ooh i missed counting electrical outlet covers that's that's huge
2: Yeah, so just a lot of unbudgeted items. You know, when I bought the house and I looked at it, it was on a dry day. I didn't see any basement flooding issues. Um, I didn't see that there was a natural gas leak in the house. I didn't pick up that the siding was asbestos. I thought it was just – I thought I would just, you know, fix a few missing pieces of siding and call it a done deal. But instead, I had to get a full, you know, asbestos removal and replace the siding. And then the other big one I had was, um, you know, I couldn't tell that I was going to be replacing all of the plumbing when I bought it. It wasn't vented properly in one bathroom. There were leaks and you, you can't really tell that stuff until you demo, at least from an untrained eye, I'll say.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then the other uh, big money waster was I chose poor contractors who were the cheapest sometimes. And then I ended up doing work twice. I mean, I had a, sidewalk done twice and I was the laugh of the neighborhood there were plenty of people who said hey didn't you just do that yeah (laughs) I
1: did yes thank you for pointing that out (laughs) I I appreciate appreciate your support so even if it had only sold for 205 um, I did some quick public school math here and you you would have broken even or a little bit better if if you bought it for 80 and put 94 in it and sold it for 205 but it didn't sell for two hundred five. It sold for two seventy four. So bottom bottom line, when all of the kind of you know, I'm sure months of oh, and how long did it take? Because you said it was supposed to take four months. Oh cool.
2: yeah, it, it took eight
1: eight to do months. The actual
2: rehab. So double the time. About a month. Yeah.
1: So after <laughs> after eight months of stress and lessons, um how much did you actually end up taking home when the? So dust I actually
2: took home three seven, so almost 74,000
1: mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. And how many of those a year would you need to do to support yourself? <laughs> if I did
2: two or three, I would call it a great year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so talk to listeners about the lessons you learned so that they don't have to repeat any of your mistakes and they can take advantage of all the good things you did.
2: You know, I biggest thing, I think, is choosing contractors. I made a mistake of choosing the cheapest contractors instead of the ones that were really good, that I had to wait a long time to start, um, that referred to me by others. Or a lot of times we just chose cheap contractors who weren't the best. I didn't do the best job vetting them, um, and that was a mistake, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, also, I think I made some mistake. Of all, it, given I want you guys to know in 2021 it was very difficult to find contractors and of course we were trying to get it done so we we made a lot of decisions to get people we could just find from referrals some random other people going to Home Depot whatever but we also hired some unlicensed people to do electrical work and plumbing work you know for some extent you think oh, it'll all be fine and then next thing you know you have the city inspect it and you're paying money to fix it again. So, you know, I would say if you're a new investor, especially like pool permits, it also is another way to keep your contractors accountable, um, you know, for doing their work properly. Mm -hmm. And then um, the other thing I would just say is if you're rehabbing houses as well, and it's like it is now with supply chain shortages, like order materials early because, um, you know, there was a lot of, me running around, me and my father mostly, to be honest, running around looking for stuff at the last minute because we don't have this, that, and the other. This didn't fit, so that was a lot of frantic running around. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So it sounds a lot of like a lot of this is about planning. Uh, plan, start, start building your team before you need them.
2: Yep. Agree. Figure out what
1: materials you're going to need and order them before you think you're going to need them. Yep. Um, lean on other people for support. So build build relationships yep. with people that you can trust to come out and say, Bryson, buy that. Stop messing right. around. <laughs> make make the yeah, offer. Definitely
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely have the support team around you is the biggest advice. I mean mm-hmm. there's no doubt that this would not have happened without a lot of support that I had. Let's say that.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So that that's the biggest thing, like you said.
1: Well, Bryson, congratulations on your win. That Best Deal by a New Investor at Cincinnati RIA. Uh, Well-deserved, and hope you do it three more times next year.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Zena.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That was Bryson Regindran from Cincinnati, and he was the winner of the Best Deal of the Year Award at Cincinnati RIA, Best Deal by a New Investor Award at Cincinnati RIA. We'll be back right after this with our next guest. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and today I have four different guests, each of whom won an award in December for having some kind of best deal. My next guest is Kevin Senna, who is from the Columbus area and who will <laughs> we'll keep talking. Seems like we maybe don't have Kevin. Um who uh won the most creative deal of the year at Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs aka Kore and uh did it with a deal that uh is going to I don't know freak some of you out a little bit because it was a pure option. Pure options are of course When you don't actually buy the property and you don't actually get control of the property, instead you put an option fee up front and uh, get a right to buy the property later or maybe even much later, as was the case with Kevin. Uh, Pure options are something that we we don't see a lot of in residential real estate, not because they're not awesome, but because they are not well known uh they're they're used very commonly in commercial real estate and land development uh in things like that and we are having trouble i think getting kevin on the line he was there a minute ago and now he's not and this is this is why live radio is sometimes challenging because it's not like a podcast where we can edit this out i have to just keep talking and <laughs> talk about the The fun drive, yay, the fun drive. That was a few weeks ago, forgot all about that. Uh, Yeah, so I happen to know about Kevin Steele, so maybe I will just start talking for him. I can tell you that he is a also, like Bryson, a full-time employee at a major corporation up there in Columbus, and that uh, this was not only... The best creative deal of the year. It was also his very first deal, and I can tell you that he found it by just networking. He was at a uh, a social event that was being held at a member of uh, Corey's house prior to an all-day Saturday session, and the topic came up that a a different investor was looking for cash and was looking for it for the purpose of um, buying a property. Uh, And she had she had a specific one in mind at that point in time. But she uh, didn't have the money to make the down payment or do the repair costs. I'm going to I just got a text from Kevin saying he's still here and not sure what the issue is. So I'm going to tell him to hang up his phone. And Mike will call again. I'm texting on the radio. Hang up the phone and Mike will call again. Uh, so the, the the during this conversation about how this other member could get down payment money and fix up money for a rental she was proposing to buy, uh, it came up that there wasn't a lot of room in that deal for somebody to make a second mortgage, which was sort of... The solution she had proposed and the conversation turned to, well, what, what else, what other property do you have that you could maybe use to secure this second mortgage so that you could have the money, use it on the rental house, but not be asking someone to loan you a hundred percent of what that rental house is worth. And at that point during the conversation, uh, I stepped up and said, well, it. um, do you have a personal residence? And she said, yes. And I said, what's that worth? And what would that, uh, what, what's your mortgage on it? How much equity do you have? And she told the story and I said, well, I would give you $15,000, which was about what she needed for an option to buy your personal residence at some time in the next 10 years. And she countered that by saying, well, could you give me $25,000? for that option, and I said, no, I can't give you $15,000 because I don't, or I can't give you $25,000 because I don't have $25,000, and at that point, Kevin Senna, who is now on the line with us, and I That'd hope, hope heard my last sentence, Yes, I
3: did. because I've just
1: been telling the story because we can't have dead, dead air on live radio, it just doesn't work. At that point, Kevin, who was also sitting at the table, jumped in and said,
3: I'll do part of that deal with
1: you. (laughs) Yes, because, because now, now we had, we had a partial solution to the other investor's problem. I mean, she needed, she had said she needed $15,000 and we knew that there wasn't a possibility of loaning money on a house that she was already going to have a first mortgage on. And then this second, the second mortgage that she proposed would be like a hundred percent of the value of the property. So, the option on her house seemed like a solution that would get her what she wanted and still be a win. But the person who proposed that solution didn't have enough money to do it. So what in the world made you in the middle of that conversation? Because again, I pointed out at the the beginning of all of this, that you, you, this was your first deal. Yeah. Now most people do like a wholesale deal or something and you did a pure option. And, I know you were sitting there and following the conversation and that you had some education about creative deals, but what in the world made you step in and say, well, I'll, I'll put 10,000 up on that?
3: Uh, that's a really good question. I apparently like to do everything the hard way and jump into the deep end. I don't like to do it easy. <laughs> um, really, what I heard was that there was um, another investor who was looking to, you know, tap into the equity in her home and um, wanted to buy some investment real estate, I was looking to, you know, help out a fellow newbie investor. Um, I transparently was trying to uh, do another deal with some more experienced real estate investors. Um, the deal that was being discussed with doing the peer option just seemed to make a lot of sense because I had some... Um, money sitting in my ira that was not getting the types of returns that i wanted i thought that because the the property was in a a a really good uh b district or a b area um i felt that it was a pretty safe return uh so i thought it was a good way to network to do deal a deal with um you know experienced investors and build that network of connections and help everybody all around. And yeah, I kind of figured that there was going to be a really good chance for uh, some above average uh return to my IRA. And so far it's looking like every single one of those things is you know, all those boxes are being checked.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to be clear, you're in your early forties. This is a 20 year option, right? I did like yep. three of these last year. So <laughs> um <laughs> you can't pull money out of that ira without paying pre pre you know penalties for taking it out early until you're 59 and a half so Correct. the the option is going to expire about the same time that you could start taking money out and so the fact that it's not creating any income i mean it's it, it's not like it's not like she's making a monthly payment on this option it's not a lease option doesn't really bother you because just because of where you are. If you were 75, it might have been a different conversation.
3: Exactly. And and I'm not looking for that money currently to generate a, a cash flow stream that I need to use to live on every day. I'm looking for a way to increase my, uh, that pot of gold that's in my IRA. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if I can't tap into it for the next 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. I can't tap in any way. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, this The way that I can actually turn that into um, some cash is because it's an option, I can sell off my option to another investor and I could find a way to make a return that way. But that's not my ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is, you know, let this property increase in value and we'll see what happens at the end. Either exercise the option and sell the property, uh, exercise the option and turn it into a rental Uh, which will provide cash flow in the future. There's a lot of different things we can do with it. I don't need the cash right away, so I was comfortable making this investment right now. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. So what were the biggest lessons that you learned that you'd like to pass on to listeners who might be sitting around a table someday listening to somebody who's got an uncomfortable situation and wondering if they should jump in and try and solve it?
3: Um, Number one is uh, just network with people within your RIA uh network with people that aren't in urea. Um don't be afraid to, you know, have those conversations with newbies um who might not have as much knowledge or experience as you. Um make the offer that you're comfortable making, uh even if it's one that doesn't make a lot of sense uh to to somebody uh, on the receiving end of that offer. Uh all you can do is make the offer, walk them through and help them understand how it could potentially benefit them. And maybe it works out for everybody in the end. Uh, But make sure you network. Make sure you throw out offers.
1: Network, speak up, make lots of offers. Congratulations on your most creative deal of 2021 award, Kevin. And we look forward to seeing a lot more of those from you. All right. Thank thank you. you. Uh So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk to our third winner, who was the winner of the best deal of the year by a new investor in Columbus. And y'all are going to love this story. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's our annual deal of the year show where lots, lots of people did lots of good deals this year. The ones I know about are the ones who won the contests for best deal of the year at Cincinnati RIA and at Central Ohio real estate entrepreneurs. And our next guest is also a winner of the best deal by a new investor award. And Y'all might need to take notes on this one, because this isn't some wholesale deal where she made a lot of money. This is a very creative deal. It's Tisha Lee joining us from her home in Columbus, Ohio. Tisha, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, how are you? I am very good. How are you?
5: I'm doing great.
1: <laughs> Excellent. So um let's start out by telling people about yourself.
5: Okay, so my name is Tisha Lee. I currently work uh, as an operations director for a public office here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I am a mother of three, and I have two and one grandbaby on the way. Um, and I invest here in Columbus, Ohio, and now Georgia.
1: So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. That's now funny. Georgia. And <laughs> it, it's interesting, Tisha, you are the third guest in a row who works a full-time job and also does real estate and also has other things going on in their lives. And I just, I wanted to point that out because, um, you know, a lot of listeners, they think that they might get to real estate someday, maybe when they're retired. And that's, Really not when you want to start. You want to retire because you have real estate, not retire to do real estate investing. So you mentioned that this deal of yours is not even in Ohio. It is in Georgia. So tell us, tell us what it was that you bought.
5: So I bought 9.61 acres of undeveloped land in a town about 10 minutes outside of Macon, Georgia. So um, I bought 10 acres. (laughs) Uh
1: And how in the world did you even come across a deal near Macon, Georgia, when you live in Columbus?
5: Well, because I am a part of an amazing organization called Colery here in Columbus, uh, or Central Ohio, and I attend the Friday morning have um, the Friday morning swap calls or exchange meetings. And so, an investor from the state of Florida um, got on the call and said that he had ten acres that he had purchased to help out someone, and that wasn't really within his wheelhouse, and he was looking to get rid of it. And I have always wanted to own acres, and so when he made the comment. I spoke up. I was like, I'll be in, I'm interested in that. Tell me more. Um, And so then that, (laughs) that conversation began. Mm
1: -hmm.
5: Um, So, yeah, that's how I came across it on the Friday morning swap call.
1: And you actually have some family who's from down in that area too. So your ears, it wasn't just like randomly, I want Georgia.
5: No, (laughs) no. My family is from a town called West Point, Georgia. My great, my grandfather. I uh, was born there. My great-grandparents um, were born there. And so um, I've been going down to the great state of Georgia and spending time there my entire life. And so I've always had a connection to that place, to that state. And so when that opportunity came about, I jumped right on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And the really interesting part of this deal was actually the negotiation and the terms under which you got it. Because I was on that call and you said, you said, I'm interested. And Bill, who was the seller, said, well, make me an offer. And you said, well, what offer do you want? And he said, no, you make me an offer.
5: (laughs) And so my initial offer was $200 a month until the deal was paid off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, well, sure, we can, we can see what we can do with that. And th- then a, um, the negotiations began, a relationship, a friendship was developed over the next several months as we, uh, kind of, you know, worked through the, the terms of what ended up being a, lease option and a um, seller financing agreement. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I want to go back a minute to what you just said because it it it's important for people to understand that when you do creative offers like this, it's not like here's what I'll do okay they, they it often takes multiple conversations, a couple of weeks of kind of pounding out what works for you and what works for me. But as long as you have a buyer and a seller who they want to work together, they want to work something out, it's okay. It's not like this guy was trying to sell it to somebody else on the side while you were having this weeks-long conversation about what it might look like. So tell us, you said the deal is you're lease optioning it. How much Mm -hmm. did you have to put up front to get that lease option? Zero dollars, <laughs> and your your payment is two hundred dollars a month, and a hundred percent of that goes to the pay down of the option price.
5: Absolutely.
1: And so, what is the option price?
5: The option price is eighty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, and that's the total price. So every so for the first twelve months, uh, that gives me time to get back and forth to Georgia, structure the land, identify what my plan is. Um, and also to hit to the seller's benefit, help with the capital gains tax and that sort of thing. So, so there was some negotiating and some, some tweaking that was going into that to make sure that it was, uh, a good deal for the both of us. Um, and then, so it was $200 a month for the first 12 months. And then at the end of the 12 months, I'll purchase the property. The title and everything will be transferred over to me. Uh, but every dollar I pay, for the next, i say, eight years, <laughs> while it's under the selling, seller financing term, will go towards the strike price or the purchase price of the property. Mm-hmm. So that translates to zero down, zero interest uh, <laughs> for the life of the loan.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's pretty spectacular for a first deal.
5: Yes, I especially for 10 acres of land. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so yeah, so you bought the land under market. You mm-hmm. got a zero down, zero interest, very affordable payments. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you, if you do nothing but sit on it for the next 8 years and wait for the value to go up so that you can sell it, $200 a month, I mean, it's 2400 bucks a year to control a big chunk of undeveloped land down there. What mm-hmm. is your and I know you've got multiple plans, but like what, what are you trying to decide now that you are in control of the property about what to do with it? So, uh,
5: I want to make portions of the land a place for me and my kids, my grandkids, my mom, my sisters, my friends, everybody,
1: mm-hmm.
5: a homestead, a place for us to go to, um, spend time and build memory and a place that I can pass down to my children. Mm-hmm. and you know for the next for several generations to come um and then i also want to do some uh, make the, the land profitable so some um leasing of the land for a number of different projects so i'm really just trying to identify what the best project is for leasing um working with some local developers and uh folks in in, in the state of georgia and in that area that um that are able to, again, help me make the, the land profitable. So grow, whether that's growing food or if that's leasing it out to um, like truckers and, and that sort of thing. So
4: mm-hmm.
5: lots of ideas.
1: Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And you've got, you've got some time to work it out because you've got really good owner finance exactly. terms on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's a, uh Wow. You're, you're, yeah, <laughs> you just you just you just dove in on this head first. Did did you before you did this deal? Did you even understand how to buy on lease option?
5: Not how to buy on lease option. I understood the concept of like seller financing to some degree, but honestly, over the last uh, I think twelve eighteen months that I've been a member of Corey, I've learned so much about real estate and investing and creative deals creative financing. So I didn't know all the ins and outs, but I knew that if I could get the right terms, everything else would work out. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, so I did, I jumped in two feet and here I am.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> here if, I am. if you had one big piece of advice about the lessons you learned from this deal that you'd like to pass on to real life, real estate listeners, what would that be?
5: I would say build relationships and join your local RIA, um, and I guess that's more than one, but those would be the two things because the relationship that I've built throughout this process with this deal specifically are way are worth way more to me than the value of the of the, the $200 a month payments that I'm making. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've gotten uh, opportunities to connect with people and and build those relationships. And so the deals and the possibilities I, that I feel like are endless. And if I need help or, even if I can share information you know I, I know I have resources to go to and I can also be a resource to somebody else and I think that's that's part the best part.
1: Tisha Lee congratulations on your best deal by a new investor award very well deserved
5: thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me on
1: the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, next up, we have the best deal of the year from Rhea of Greater Cincinnati right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's our deal of the year show. And our last guest is on the line, Adam Terpstra from Cincinnati, who won the best deal overall of the year at Rhea of Greater Cincinnati this year. Uh, Adam is not a new investor, unlike our prior three guests. In fact, he is, uh, sort of a full-time investor at this point, having, um, uh, quit, lay, been laid off something, uh, his job in, uh. It was
4: mutual. <laughs>
1: early, early this year, he was able to sort of just go and live off the real estate deals that he has been doing for the last 10 to 12 years and He's in his mid-30s, ladies and gentlemen, so don't tell me about how you can't quit your job on real estate. So, Adam, you did a lot of deals this year. What made this one special?
4: Uh, This one was special for a a few reasons. Um, It was my first time dipping my toes into the Airbnb space for, for one, Um, It was my first time in this type of neighborhood. This is one of my nicer properties, but I I think the most special was uh, how all the pieces came together and uh, just kind of fell in my lap on this one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when people say the pieces came together and fell in my lap, I have to say, okay, but how how many years of preparation did you do so that when those pieces showed up, you knew how to make them fall into your lap?
4: Uh, well, I I think you uh, might have rounded up a little bit, but I, I believe you quoted me at around 10 years or so. Time, time flies and you're having
1: fun. <laughs> yes, indeed. So this, this, this particular property had kind of a strange path because when you first bought it from a wholesaler, I think the plan was you were going to fix it up for a rental. So where did it all go wrong?
4: Um. Uh, well, it kind of all went wrong when I decided I was going to try and manage it myself while having that pesky uh, full-time job that we just talked about. Um, so, I uh, it was a little bit away from my house, so a bit of a commute to manage. I was trying to juggle too many things at once, and it just wasn't quite getting done. Um, originally, I was planning on using it as a conventional rental, and I still would have made a little bit of money on it, but it wouldn't have been you know a home run by any means. Um. But uh, one of my friends was looking to do a 1031 exchange right around when I was getting a little bit fed up with uh, putting my own time and a tiny bit of my own money into the deal, and they wanted the 1031 into it. So they actually uh, pretty much funded the whole thing from there on, Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, referring me to uh, the contractor I ended up going with. Mm -hmm. So that one worked out real well.
1: So this, this deal started off all yours, and... With a private loan to purchase it and do the rental rehab, but then all of a sudden somebody else stepped in and said, I've got this extra money. I've got to plan it somewhere. I like your property. Can I buy part of it with the cash from my 1031 exchange? And was that simultaneous with the decision to do the very, very different Airbnb rehab? I mean, you were already months into the rental rehab at the point at which somehow you decided it should be an Airbnb instead. Those are those are really different rehabs.
4: They are quite different. Um, one of them was definitely a little bit more of an influx of cash, allowed me to do more of a heavy-duty uh, higher-end rehab without having to go get some more money. Um, it kind of allowed me to hit the easy button on it. I was already somewhat up in the air on whether I wanted to be a, a rental or an Airbnb, but that kind of uh, cemented the decision to... Try something new and go out on a limb. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Well, and really glad
4: I did. I think I've been cash flowing at least uh, two or three times, but what have otherwise?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What in the world made you even think Airbnb? I mean, all of your other properties are traditional rentals. What, what made you wake up one morning and go, I think I want to do Airbnb's?
4: Well, one of them was definitely the area. Uh, I've got some stuff that potentially could be Airbnb, but this is kind of a, a hot, fun, desirable area uh, that people want to stay at, and uh, you get nice uh, clientele and higher rent rates in this area. So that that was one deciding factor. Um, also the fact that it had kind of a turnkey uh, manager ready to roll that was uh, begging for a crack at this one. So, um, again, the pieces just kind of fell into place to uh, – Give the strategy a go, and uh, the, the rest is history. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So let's let's put some numbers on this. What did you pay for it?
4: Uh, paid one hundred and thirty-five of someone else's money.
1: Mm-hmm. And what did you end up all in on by the time you had done half of a rental rehab, and then all of a Airbnb rehab?
4: Um, including. Furniture. I'm gonna say probably all in uh, for 200 ish, maybe slightly, slightly more when you factor in some of the holding costs.
1: So six, 65 more. When you say 200, the, you're talking about the purchase price as well.
4: Oh yes, yes. I'm I'm talking all in, all in. Okay, so all in so for yeah, 200,000.
1: And yep. what is it worth?
4: Uh, right now, uh, probably around three-ish. I haven't comped it recently, but just a, a ballpark swag, a, a lot more than the $200 that uh, I'm into it for.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And w- w- roughly, what does it earn every month as an Airbnb?
4: Uh, it's usually pulling down pretty consistently uh, around 4000 $4, $4,000? Obviously, there's some expenses that need to come out of that, but I'd say it's Netting, you know, three, and it probably would have uh, gone market rent for about half that.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so you think the whole market rent had you just done your first plan would have been fifteen, sixteen hundred a month.
4: Exactly, Let, it still would have made sense as a rental at those prices. But why leave all that on the table? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, there's another piece of the story, and that is your private loan isn't there anymore.
4: Correct. Uh, the 1031er did me the courtesy of uh, refinancing the property. Turns out they don't like paying higher interest rates than they have to any more than I do. So uh, they refinanced the thing and uh, improved our numbers that much more. Mhm. Mhm. I think it was 30-year 3.75% fixed, which is unheard of for investment property.
1: Mhm. Mhm. So, bottom line. What made you think that with all the great deals people did this year at Cincinnati RIA that you could stand up there and say mine is the best?
4: Um, Mostly the fact that I didn't really do a whole lot. Um, I I very much value my relationships, and I I got the deal through one of my relationships, contractors, again, through relationships, the money through one of my relationships, the refi through a relationship, Uh, the management through a relationship. So just, you know, taking good care of the people around me. Uh, they did the same in return, and I essentially stepped into a deal and didn't really have to do anything, which now has you know six figures in equity as well as a very nice monthly cash flow.
1: Mm-hmm. So even though you're splitting it with this partner who came into the deal late, you're super happy about it.
4: Yeah, yeah. Whenever I can uh, put nothing in and uh, do nothing and walk away with half of a very nice deal, I will take it.
1: <laughs> so lessons for listeners. Like what what did you what did you learn out of this? What would you advise that they do that you did or or uh, in the reverse, if there were any mistakes here, what would you tell them not to do?
4: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so Probably already gathered. I very much value my relationships. Uh, I think that's a great place to start. Whether you're new or experienced, you're going to have trouble trying to do this business solo. And even if you are able to successfully do it yourself, it's going to be really difficult to scale without help. Uh, so put in the time and effort to make those connections. Uh, one of my favorite places to go to for those are RIA. Not not all of the parties to this deal were RIA members, but a vast majority of them were. So. Um, yeah, build those relationships early on so that when something like this comes along, you're ready and able to pull the trigger. Um, the other piece of advice I have is, you know, don't be afraid to pull the trigger. If the numbers look good and you've dotted the I's and crossed the T's and checked everything out, I mean, obviously don't just blindly walk into a deal you know nothing about. But if if it checks out, don't be afraid to jump in and do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so relationships, action probably keeping at it consistently since that's what has allowed you to not really have a job anymore. At, at,
4: Yep, absolutely. I've been doing a a lot of these, not specifically like this deal we just covered, but consistently picking them up uh, and building up that portfolio to a point where uh, it's easier not to have that pesky nine-to-five.
1: Well, Adam Terpstra, congratulations on your big win, best overall deal of the year for Cincinnati RIA, and thank you for being here today. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you you heard that it wasn't, wasn't picked for this reason, but you heard the same thing from everybody. Join your local RIA, show up, build relationships, pull the trigger, take action, get help where you need it, give help where you can, give it. Uh, all good lessons for all of us in the upcoming year. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.